The royalty of college football is in assembly. What can you say? They, they were fired up. They played like they were on, you know, cocaine sandwiches the whole game. Two sides. You never go against at home. The Russian Army and Notre Dame. 50, back to Shooting the Breeze. I am your host, Mike Calabrese. It's time to strike up the band. Hit me with some of that sweet New Orleans jazz mat because, oh baby, we went six and three there in week number six. And we were really close to the miracle one free mortgage payment, nine-teamer. Unfortunately for us, Penn State uh, didn't run through the, the finish line tape, ended up not covering by half points. Oklahoma, I mean, obviously it was, it was one of my picks. Uh, we were all guilty of one loss on uh, on the slate, but Oklahoma just kind of had a weird kickoff. It was like 90 minutes delayed. Then that woman in the student section was knitting, and that was the kind of atmosphere they were walking into. So no surprise, kind of a sleepy start for the Sooners. They end up winning by, when I say it was 25 or 24 instead of that 31 and a half. And then what was the – oh, the last one was uh, Matt's over-under pick in that uh, service academy battle between Air Force and the Naval Academy. Ended up a second-half point explosion. So, listen, you can't win them all, but 6-3 and three is is good. It is uh, – 66% is is really nice, particularly when you look against, you know, the games we were picking. The only money line favorite that we took was Matt's uh, pick for Temple on that Thursday night game against ECU. And they won easily. They played so well. They actually blew the lights out there in uh, – is it Greensboro? No, it's Green Greenberg. Some in North Carolina, but uh, we'll we'll try to dig deeper into the geography of the AAC. Ryan, what do you think of week number six? Feels good to be back. Feels great. And we talk about shopping books all the time. I actually was able to skirt in under the twenty eight and a half line on Penn State and got him at twenty eight. So I pushed my three teamer six two and one. You heard it here first. Six two and one. Everybody. That's right. It counts. Uh, so I ended up. On that parlay, getting about 285 on the return, which was really nice. Felt good. Felt good to have a winner. And yeah, I mean, I think of all the bets we we felt good about, you obviously had your pick of the year, not quite pick of the year. Now that it's hit, probably was your pick of the year. Uh, LSU was just running roughshod over Utah State, which was great. Everybody felt good about Matt's Service Academy pick. Like he said, the the worst kept secret in all of college football betting. And you know what? Even a great decision ends up being a bad pick every once in a while. So what are you going to do about it? Six and three, I'll take it. All right. So the audience obviously excited that uh, we're back with a, a winning winning week uh, here in week seven, hoping to rekindle the magic. I'm going to start with just one of the worst teams in all of college football. Firing season is now upon us. Uh, Rutgers giving their head coach a boot last week. Um, I think the next domino to fall is probably going to be UNLV's coach. Um, he, you know, led Bishop Gorman High School there in Las Vegas to multiple state championships, e- even the coveted you know national championship, which doesn't make any sense because you can only play so many games in high school season. But he was an acclaimed high school coach. They bring him over UNLV. It seemed as though he was making a little bit of progress, and offensively, it's just gone off the rails this year. Uh, Armani Rogers has been banged up. Their bell cow at, at running back Charles Williams also banged up, and they're traveling across the country to play against Vanderbilt, who absolutely has to have this game if they have any shot at bowl eligibility. They have um, a serious talent 
uh, imbalance in their favor in this particular game and only laying 15 it may seem a lot for a doors team that uh, only has one win on the season but man i really like vandy in this spot and i think unlv has quit on their coach i think uh this is the kind of untethered part of the college football season where you see teams really mail it in in an effort sport particularly on the defensive side of the ball if you don't believe in your coaching staff you're going to get run over ryan what do you think I think you're seeing more and more of that, right? We see all these guys taking a redshirt year and coming back for next year, just taking a do-over on this season and trying to get to next year. I think that's a really strong sign of which teams feel like they're still in the in the fight and which ones don't. And the flip side of that is that you're, you're starting to look at what the whole season is going to mean, right? You nailed it with Vandy. They have to have this game if they're going to be bowl eligible. The season is basically over if they lose this one to the running reps. Yeah, it's probably a stay away from me. Vandy scares me. I can't get a good read on them. Uh, you know, again, I thought they'd go to Purdue and put up a fight, and they got their dick knocked in the dirt. So I, I, I just don't. I couldn't bet Vandy again this year. They're dead to me. But if I had to pick a side, I would probably go with the home team here. Hey, it's almost Halloween, so zombie Vandy. You know, trying to come back from from the. The underworld to get to that coveted six wins. It's got to start here against UNLV. One last nugget. UNLV's dropped four in a row by 26 points per game, and they haven't exactly been playing world beaters. So I, I see no reason why Vandy can't, you know, run this out and have it be a three, four touchdown margin. All right, your first pick for week number seven. Well, I'm going to stick with Friday night. Contrary to me, no, no longer betting on Vandy. I'm going to go back to the well, and I'm going under in the Colorado-Oregon game. Game sitting at 57 and a half right now. Let me give you four numbers. Seven, six, three, six. Those are the points that Oregon's given up since Auburn. They have not given up more than a touchdown since they played Auburn tight in week one. Uh, the, they learned how to play defense. It, the, it is a team, we said it last week, feel like the market still remembers their run-and-gun offenses. They're looking at Oregon and thinking Marcus Mariota, and they're not thinking about a defense that has proven that it can hold things up. Now, Colorado's had a better offense than they've had in recent years, too. I just don't see them putting on the sort of spectacle that's going to make this game go over 57 and a half. I will prove to Matt that I'm not the dunderhead I was accused of being last week. Implied score here right around 40 to 19. Huh? You like that, buddy? 39-19 gets you over, even though I think that's an impossible score. So something like 40 to 17 still goes under. That feels like 17 feels like a lot of points for Colorado to get in this game. Um, and while 40 is not out of reach for Oregon, I feel like because they do such great clock management, their pace is more consistent with the team that goes under and burns the clock a lot. I like under here at 57 and a half. What do you think? Yeah, just to throw one extra piece of information onto this, um, it looks like C.J. Verdell is going to be out for this game. Their running game wasn't all that explosive, generating explosive plays in the first place. So, yeah, I, I think I'd probably put it more in the low 30s for Oregon. And, I mean, if you want to go ahead and call it 14 points, 17 points for Colorado, you're easily under there. Um, it, this is a good plug if any sportsbook wants to steal this idea. I would love it if a DraftKings or a FanDuel could have a non-offensive touchdown insurance policy that you could uh, go ahead and book if you bet an under because without it, I don't really see this game going over. Love it. All right, Mike, what do you got for number two? All right, I'm going to go. This is a pure situational play. I mean, obviously, you know, my eyes are have indicated to me that Iowa's defense is really stout this year. They lose their first game of the season last week, only giving up 10 points to Michigan against a Penn State team that has a stout defense of their own this this total is in the lower 40s. I think it's at 40 and a half right now. I think you could see gamblers bet it down into the high 30s. 
um, before kickoff. And for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and take the four and a half points. I think that's a pretty significant amount of uh, points in a very low scoring game. At least that's the projection. Um, on top of it, as I mentioned uh, previously, this is a situational play. In the last, I'm going to call it, let's take a look here at the Bet Labs information, last seven years in Iowa City, when the Hawkeyes are catching points as an underdog to a ranked team, they've hit 71% of those games. This has been a hornet's nest for ranked teams, particularly those coming in feeling pretty good about themselves. Penn State has been a victim in that last seven years, losing outright um, as a top 10 team. So I really like the Hawkeyes here. Um, I think last last week is definitely influencing this point spread. I think this should be closer to two or three. So getting over that those key numbers and getting to four and a half, I think there's a lot of value there. And listen, Michigan has a really good defense. I think Iowa will make some adjustments. If they can score, um, you know, north of two touchdowns, I really like them to cover this. So I'm going to go with the Hawkeyes, probably the least sexy pick on the board, and just go with the historical data. Yeah, I like it. It's a little too tight for me to play. I mean, Penn State can only beat Purdue by 28 points, like a bunch of fucking knuckleheads. So I don't know what to make of that one. You're totally right, though, about Iowa in the last several years being a real tough out for ranked teams. The home crowd really gets into it. The team plays up on those. It's a, I think it's going to be a great game. I think the opposite of our blanket games, this isn't one that I want to bet necessarily, but it's certainly one that I'm going to tune in for. Uh, and I do like the under here. Um, if, if I was going to go in any direction, I'd probably play the total. But again, you, you, are, uh, you have a feel for these two games that I don't, and I feel like I'm just going to let this one sail. All right, I'm just going to throw in uh, my one, uh, my third pick of the week. You know, kind of mixing it up a little bit before we kick it over to Matt Mitchell, and then you can round up the podcast camp. Uh, I like Utah minus thirteen and a half against Oregon State, and this to me is is really interesting because when you look back at last year, my pick of the year, it was Utah traveling to UCLA on a Friday night. They were laying, I want to say, eleven and a half. They end up winning, going away in that ball game. I think what's interesting here is that Oregon State is dreg. They're really bad. They can't stop anybody on offense. And their own offense is pretty decent, um, particularly in the passing game. But when you look at this Utah defense with an extra week to prepare and full motivation to try to secure a Rose Bowl berth, if they run the table, they're obviously going to win the South and then they'll have an opportunity to win the Pac-12 outright. For that reason, I think they'll be locked in. And one kind of interesting um, note here is that the injury to Zach Moss about a month ago has really opened up the playbook for Tyler Huntley. And in the last three games, he has been borderline dynamic in the passing game. They're now welcoming Moss back into the fold. And I think that uh, you know that balance between the passing game and the rushing attack is really going to give Oregon State fits. I like Utah to score in the 40s here, and their defense is borderline merciless particularly in the pass rush and i think laying 13 and a half you got to get in there now you got to get that number before it bubbles up over the key number of two touchdowns so go ahead grab uh, utah minus 13 and a half and i would tie that as uh, my main bet parlaying it with everything else on the board it's my most confident one of the week what do you think of the utes in this spot camp i think utah's got a great chance here they've played some tough opponents really tough uh, they've typically been outclassed by usc in the last several years only lost by a touchdown there at USC, which I thought was good. Oregon State, we talked about them last week. They have a great offense. Went over the number nice and easily for me in, in basically a no sweat over once we got to about halfway through the third quarter. Um, I think it's good. I, 14 is a big number. 
for me, I agree with you. Staying underneath two touchdowns is important. But if Utah can jump out to an early lead here and give some trouble to the Oregon State passing game, uh, I think I think you should have no trouble. I would probably lean this way. The other way you can go, though, if they do have trouble getting out, if Oregon State is able to sling the ball around as they have been so far this season, I would watch a second half line here. Uh, because if this game is close at halftime going into the second half, I don't like Utah to be able to pull away at the end. Uh, I think if they come out and punch him in the mouth, it's going to be an easy cover for you. All right, we're going to kick it over to Matt Mitchell. He's got uh, a 30 rack of Milwaukee Beast. Uh, The Vegas implied total is that he's going to drink 22 of those on Saturday. What says you, Matt? Hi, thanks, Mike. This week I'm going to keep it pretty short and sweet. I'm going back to the well with Temple plus six in their game against Memphis. Memphis coming into this game on back-to-back travel. They actually got outgained in their last game against Louisiana Monroe, even though the uh, the scoreboard does show that they won by uh, about three touchdowns. They weren't all that impressive outside of a number of explosive plays, so I think those explosive plays get limited by a Temple defense that's basically built to stop stuff like that. Rod Carey, I think, uh, has his work cut out for him, but I think he's up to the task. Six is an awful lot of points to give a Temple defense, and I just simply don't like Mike Norvell. I don't think he's a very good coach. I don't think he's a a smart in-game strategist, so I'm going to take the six with Temple. They did me right last week. I'm going to keep that party going. Next, two are going to be pretty chalky, so maybe we can just tie these into other bets, but First one's going to be pretty public. It's Oklahoma Moneyline, minus 380. And yes, it's the Red River Shootout. It's the shootout. I've been in Dallas twice for this game. Please, no one call it the Red River Rivalry. That's a stupid name. It's the fucking shootout. It always should be. And while we're at it, bring back the throat slash gesture. Anyway, I am all over Oklahoma in this one. I think they're a full class better than Texas. Um, I know Herman as a dog is very trendy. I think he'll probably cover the 11, which is why I like the money line. But I think it would be outrageous for them with the number of injuries they have, with their lack of an explosive ground attack. Uh, I, I just don't think Texas has it in them. I don't think they have the horses to run with Oklahoma in this game. They might be able to keep it close at points, but I think Oklahoma winning in this game is a foregone conclusion. And then finally, I'm going to be fading Kevin. Let's give him someone to talk about in Arizona. They're playing uh, Washington. Washington minus 230 on the money line. They've already dropped their inexplicable game of the season. I know Eason is not a very good quarterback. I know that Washington hasn't looked all that impressive at times. You don't need to look all that impressive to beat Arizona. So I I really like them to win this game outright. Six and a half, I could take it or leave it, but I don't know if Arizona is the team to pull off this upset. Um, Even at home, someone just not a competent coach. Don't buy any green bananas down there in Tucson. Congratulations to Ryan Camp for mastering implied scores using the spread. You can continue on to seventh grade. Back to you guys. All right, plenty of uh, energy even before the buzz has set in for Matt Mitchell. So excited to hear his three picks. We'll see if we can put it together into a nine-team slate. But before we can get into a nine-teamer, we need Ryan's last two picks at week seven. Well, I'll go with a personal situational play for me here too. Saturday at noon, we have Rutgers at IU. Grew up in Jersey in the, as we've talked about, the classic college football town of New York City and the greater northern New Jersey area. Uh, So I was subjected to Rutgers games as a child. I also chose to go to IU for grad school and then further chose to watch those football games in person. So this is a real stink fest that's close to my heart. Let's play another game. I'll give you some more numbers. 48, 52, 30, 30, 21. 
Hmm. Are those all numbers that Rutgers has given up defensively? Oh, it sure is. And you know what that 21 is? That's UMass. They gave up 21 fucking points to UMass. They won, so I think we overlooked that one, but they are just a fucking shambles right now. Now, can IU cover 28 points against Rutgers? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they gave up 52 to Maryland. It feels like it's possible they could do that again. Uh, Sorry, they gave up 52 to Michigan. They gave up 48 to Maryland. Uh, I could not pass up the opportunity to bet IU against an actual grown-up football and ostensibly grown-up football program like Rutgers, an actual conference opponent, and they're laying four touchdowns. Seems crazy to me, but Michael Penix is having a great season. He's going to be stiff competition for the Rutgers defense. Well, if you want to talk, uh, you know, targeting Penix, I think the only way that Rutgers could win this game is if uh, banished head basketball coach formerly of Rutgers, Mike Rice, came in and was just throwing footballs at their Penixes. But unfortunately, he has been banned, I believe, from the entire state of New Jersey. Why would you throw a toaster at a player? Because when someone blows by you, you're toast. When you get toast and you are toast, you get hit with a toaster. So yeah, there's nothing lighting a fire under this team. They have no coach. They're rudderless. There's no motivational factor here for them. And Indiana, listen, you know, they, the last time they suited up, they, they put a ton of points on Michigan State. Probably should have won that game if they had one or two plays going in their way. So yeah, 28 seems like a lot, but whew, this is, uh, now that Kansas has a heartbeat, this is definitely the worst power five team and you got to take every opportunity to just you know throw the knives in them so i like the play there what's your last one here for week seven last one going to saturday night i think the most exciting game on the board i'm sure a lot of people do lsu against florida hosting a game on saturday night in death valley is not something to be missed uh and i like florida here on the road getting 13 maybe 13 and a half depending on where you're looking I was impressed by the Gators last week holding Auburn to 13 points. It, I think it's really tough to hold a Gus Malzahn team to under two touchdowns. They showed quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball, and also, I mean, Dan Mullen being an offensive first coach, no surprise there. They're still moving the ball quite well. Uh, I think they threw Auburn off, a team that they see quite often, uh, and it's tough to surprise a lot of your common SEC opponents. They looked like they had Auburn on their heels the whole game. I think this is going to be a shootout. I don't think they're going to succeed in keeping LSU down, but I'm not sure that LSU can keep ahead of them to the tune of two touchdowns. So I'm going to play Florida close here. I think LSU wins it, again, especially at home on a Saturday night. That's a tough place to go in and win, but I just don't see this being a a two-touchdown blowout in the way that the line is set right now. What do you think? What's your read on this game? So... Florida clearly has been undervalued by the markets. I've been guilty of it as well. I thought that Auburn was going to run roughshod over them. Defensively, they've shown a lot of grit. Um, and I think in terms of what they can do against an LSU you know, passing attack that's so dynamic, I think you will see them rein them in, keep them in the 20s. The bigger question is, how does Kyle Trask, now with an MCL sprain, play against an LSU defense that, if we're being honest, you know, if I think it's it's fair to call them, you know, a B, borderline B-plus defense this year. But under under the lights in Death Valley, they get, you know, a, a couple letter grade bumps. So they're looking more like an A defense. They're flying around. The crowd is going to absolutely pounce on him once Trask makes one of his, you know, ill-advised throws. He just doesn't have the arm strength to put it into tight windows. So... 
it's a stay away for me because I think if they had any competency at quarterback, say Felipe Franks wasn't injured, I could play it out in my head that they could go out and get 24 points against this LSU defense. And then I really like the chances of them covering the number. Unfortunately, I'm not I'm not prepared to tie any emotion or more importantly, any financials to Kyle Trask. So it's a stay away from me. If I had to bet it, um, I guess I'm going to lean LSU. But I think the the odds makers, just like any public game where there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of volume, I think they've nailed down to exactly where this this point point spread should be. And I think it's scaring away sharps. And for that reason, I'll be on the sideline. Any final thoughts here for week seven, Ryan? I mean, six and three last week, six, two and one, depending on who you ask. Feels like we're back. I don't know. I, I mean, if I were a betting man, I would probably put a good amount of money on us getting all nine picks right this week. But I'd, that's, that's just if I were a betting man. So uh, last question for you. We would have won uh, around $1,800. That's $600 a man. Um, other than telling your wife that you won $150, uh, what would you have done with your winnings? Uh, well, of course, I would put it down on a nine-way parlay this week and then turn that into a cool, what are we looking at, 54 grand? So something along those lines, three grand as far as Mrs. Camp is concerned. Yeah, that's uh, I believe that was straight stolen from the scenes of um, Hard Knocks two seasons ago. Carl Nassip from uh, the Cleveland Browns explaining compounding interest to the defensive backs on that uh, Cleveland team. So, yeah, that's how that's how winning is done. That's how empires are built. It's all on the shoulders of parlays. That's, you know, I believe that's uh, in Latin. It uh, Berkshire Hathaway's uh, foundation there in Omaha. <laughs> That's it. The Oracle of Omaha is really ready to hit our nine-way parlay this week. All right. If you guys would like to get in on this, possibly Venmo us some cash because of all the great picks that we're handing out, be be generous because Lord knows we need it. Uh, you can reach out to us at East Breeze over at Twitter, shootingthebreeze at gmail.com. You can check us out at SoundCloud, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all these different places to uh, receive the wonderful content that we're pumping out. If you could throw us some reviews, five stars only, please. I would really appreciate it. Thank you to uh, Gregory Heitman for jumping in, throwing us a review. And uh, for Matt Mitchell and Ryan Camp, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been Shooting the Breeze. Enjoy week number seven. College football is a precious resource, and we're somehow already halfway through the season. So try to cherish it, drink it in. October's here, best sports month of the year. Have a good one.